Hi, this is Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20 Minute Scriptorian, where we follow the Come Follow Me curriculum. I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, and while this is an official, I am a believer in the gospel of Jesus Christ. A little bit scholarly, a little bit inspirational, this podcast will attempt to help us become better disciples of Christ. Join me, Scriptorians. In the beginning, that's right, we're at Genesis. Right out of the gate, we're starting out with the book of Genesis. Welcome back, Scriptorians. As you recall, we are jumping right in for next year's Come Follow Me, the Old Testament. And since there's so much material, we're going to do a little preparation together. So today, let's jump into the book of Genesis. I want to do three things to start with. One, we'll talk about structure. Uh, there's a really big, nice structure that helps us understand what's going on in the story. And then two, I want to talk about some themes, some repeated words, some big picture stuff. And then third, we'll actually see if we can jump into the book of, uh, or the creation, a little bit on the creation to start with. All right, let's get after it. So structure, you know, this is like my favorite thing. And it's, it's counterintuitive, right? You don't say, I can't wait to get into the structure. <laughs> but the structure of the book really uh, shows me the craftsmanship of the author as the Lord and the Spirit worked with these authors that they, they really learned to try to tell us a story in a way that, that told us so many more deep-seated things. And the structure is one of those. So I want to challenge you to do something. When you read the book, I want you to read the whole thing. Now, that's, that's probably not how you study. I mean, some of you for sure, and sometimes, but, but traditionally we kind of say, oh, I don't have a lot of time, so I'm just going to read like a chapter and then maybe just delve into a verse or a couple of verses and really try to just get something meaty out of it that you can apply. That's a great uh, way to go out about it. Nothing wrong with that. But I want to challenge you to look at the book as a whole because there are so many things in there that you might have missed if you don't read it together. Uh, second, I want you to read it out loud if you can. If you can't read it out loud or you don't like to read out loud, uh, there are a gazillion free versions online, including the church website or Audible or YouTube, where people are reading it out loud for you. And so you can kind of hear the cadence and the feel. And you'll, you'll pick up different things by hearing these repeated words. So read the whole book uh, and read it out loud. Now, let's talk about the structure. So there are kind of two halves. Uh, they're not really two halves, two parts of the book. And they tend to go from about Genesis 1 through 11 and then 12 through 50. So 1 through 11, 12 through 50. And that first, I'll call it half, but the first half, first part, is really more about the primeval history, about kind of prehistory, before things are going to get really uh, specific and dialed in. It's kind of a zoomed out approach. And then the second half, we're going to get these stories of a family. So the second part, 12 through 50, is going to be a story of a family. And this family is going to kind of divide into three, right? So you see Abraham, Jacob, and then the Joseph story, which is almost like a mini novel at the end. So the first part, the first part. So think of it a little bit like you're going to see also these repeated uh, themes. And they kind of come in couplets is what they're called. So they're almost like they zoom out and then they zoom in. Or they'll tell the story twice. And you'll see, uh, for example, Abraham... Uh, goes into a different country, first Egypt and then later Gerar, and he is uh, trying to protect his wife, Sarah, and he says that it's his sister. And the story happens twice, and you're like, well, how weird is that? Why are we telling, why did he do that twice, or why are we telling that story twice? And we also see the same thing in, that goes over and over again, but we also see it in the creation. You're going to see chapter one, 
And then in chapter 2 of verse 4, you're going to see kind of a second creation or a, a repeated story, a couplet. So it's one, two. So they aren't so much as they're telling one story uh, as so much as they're telling similar stories and they're trying to draw out certain themes. They're trying to teach us something important about them. So treat them together and separately. Look at them together, but also look at them as a separate story that's trying to show us a different aspect. I like to think of it, like I said, kind of zooming out and zooming in. That's not a perfect analogy or metaphor, but you're kind of zooming out on the story and then you kind of zoom in. So one thing we do a lot is we do what's called a harmonization. And a harmonization is useful, but also you can miss the point. Harmonization is when you like take stories that have these disparate parts and you like squish them all together. And so you do a lot with the gospels where instead of, they try to make it like one big story. So each of the Gospels tells certain elements, like Matthew tells the story of the Magi and the star and Herod and the babies. And Luke tells the, the uh, nativity story of the shepherds and the angels singing and the uh, manger. And, and we kind of squash them all together in a harmony and like they all happen at the same time. Now, they, they, they obviously have things in common, but the author, uh, whether it was Matthew or Luke or whomever, is trying to tell us something specific by keeping just those elements of the story. So don't think of it as true and not true. That, that's not the point. The point is that in that story, in that telling, the author is trying to tell us something important and you wanna get that point. So that's what we're gonna see in Genesis. Okay, let's talk themes for a minute. Now there are a number of repeated themes. These themes are gonna go over and over again. They're gonna go through most of the Old Testament and you know most of them. One of them that you're gonna see is the idea of God being involved in humanity. This isn't a God that's removed and far away. Uh, he, this isn't deism where it's like, well, there's a God, but we don't know what he does. This is the opposite. This is a God that is very, very, very involved in humanity. And the story is really God is the main character so you might say, well, Lori, he's not the main character. I mean, Adam and Eve and then Abraham. But no, God is the main character of the story. And so it's going to show all these different instances when God works with people. And so one of the things to remember is that this is under, the theme is understanding God wanting to be involved with humanity. God, we're trying to learn about him through this, this story, through these, uh, these scriptures. So that's the first one. Another of the themes is origins, where things came from. First, the world and the universe, then humanity. And eventually we're going to see the creation of the people of Israel. So we're going to see origins, where do things come from? We're also going to see order and meaning. So right out of the gate in Genesis, we're going to see where things were disordered and they become ordered. The God is putting order into the world. And so this is an important theme that you're going to see throughout the thing. That's a pattern. Sometimes it's um, chronology. Sometimes it's timing. Uh, and sometimes these events are going to seem like they're not planned in the story, but then all of a sudden it's going to come together. So you're going to see an idea of uh, order. Also blessing. One of the great things about this story is how much God loves us, that from creation on, God is going to give blessings on all the creatures, um, and in general, but also on the uh, fathers and mothers of Israel, on these uh, uh, patriarchs and matriarchs. We're very interested in this next one, and that is covenant. We're going to see covenants being made. We're going to see this 
God promising certain things. And, and there's going to be a development of covenants. You're going to see covenant with Noah, a kind of this cosmological covenant. Then you're going to see the zoomed in covenant with a family. And then it keeps zooming in additionally where we're going to have more and more responsibilities. Uh, Abraham in the beginning just has a promise, but later he starts to have to make his own um, responsibilities. And then it develops even more in the book of Exodus. So you're going to see the idea of covenants. You're also going to see the idea of redemption and salvation. This is going to come into play even more in the book of Exodus, where we see both of those words used for the first time. However, you're going to see the idea of God interacting to save and push forward the plan of salvation. So you're going to see all of those themes. You're also going to see how he is, again, very involved. This is God being involved with his creation and us being his image bearers. So those are some pretty big themes. I mean, you're going to have uh, so much to go through. I suggest um, coming up with the themes that you think are there, maybe jotting them down in your notes or in your laptop, and maybe coming up with a unique color this time as you read through, and then highlight every time you see one of those. So every time you see origins, do blue. Every time you see covenant, do purple, something like that. And then that way you can go back and say, wow, look at these themes. What themes do you see? Share with me. Tell me what you're seeing. What other themes? These are certainly not all of them. Okay. All right, so we've talked about structure. The first half, 1 through 11, second half, 12 through 50. Um, we talked a little bit about couplets. We talked about reading out loud. We talked about some themes. Let's zoom in for a minute. When we talk about that first half of the book of Genesis, it's really a story of big picture. So we talked about couplets. Remember how it's kind of these two sides, these two pieces. And this first part, I don't keep calling it half, but the first uh, 11 chapters are big pictures. Sometimes they're called the cosmological view, meaning the cosmos, like the universe, the big picture. And so you're gonna see big things, how the earth is formed, how nations are formed, how um, you'll see things like, well, so-and-so played music, and so and this is why that country is the way it is. So it's trying to describe these big picture, how things are the way they are. In that story, that's where you get things like Noah, right? how this all happened in the beginning. And so that first part really is the beginnings of history, how everything kind of began. The second half is going to be how God's going to create a family, how he's going to work with a family to save them, and particularly the people of Israel, the family of Israel. Okay. All right. Let's jump into creation. The creation story is just the first few chapters. And like I mentioned, it really takes place in chapters one through about three, and chapter one through about two, uh, verse four, um, is really the first telling of the creation. Um, the guy who did the, the original guy, if I remember right, he was a bishop or an archbishop um, in England, and he created the chapter headings and the breaks. Because when these scrolls were written a long time ago, they didn't have paragraphs. They hardly had sentences. So they don't have paragraphs, and they certainly don't have chapter breaks, and they don't have verses. And so when the, when the uh, guy who put it in, um, and you can Google it, I can't remember his name, but when he put them in, he did kind of a break uh, to go with the, and this was the morning and the evening and the first day, and the morning and the seventh day, and it was good. And so he created chapter one. But it looks like chapter one, the first telling of creation, really goes through one through chapter through verse four and a half. And then it picks up again at two, four, B, we call it, and goes on through two and three. So the first one. This is the one that you're probably most familiar with. This is the days. And then it says, 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, that very beginning kind of even starts with the idea of order. That in the beginning, or a better uh, way to say that in English from the Hebrew is something like, as God was beginning to create. It doesn't necessarily mean it was the very first beginning of anything. It's as God was beginning to create the heavens and the earth, right? And so then it talks about this, uh, this order that's going to come. Now, this is where we see the seven days of creation. We also see in this that there isn't, um, God just, there isn't a lot of like planning. Uh, God just says it and it happens. So God says, let there be light. And there was light. God says, let there be sun, moon, stars. There, and there it was. And then he gives, uh, so it's just by fiat. Kabang, it happens. So God is just saying these things and it happens. We also see that there are these seven creative periods or seven days. And uh, if you've never noticed it before in Genesis, the first three days, one, two, three, parallel days four, five, six, and then seven being the Sabbath, the day of rest. So this is the first time we're gonna see these couplets, these parallels, that day one is the separating of light and darkness. Not uh, the sun and the moon, by the way, that's day three. So, or uh, day four. So you're going to see one, two, three, then four, five, six. So um, they kind of parallel each other. So why this symmetry? And why this um, parallel? You'll see this every, every day begins and God said, and then every day ends and there was evening and there was morning. And so there's kind of this repetitive section um, of the scripture in Hebrew and it invites us to look for these areas that repeat themselves. So I want you to explore that. I want you to say, why is, why is God telling us the story of the creation in such symmetry that not only is there the one, two, three, and then days four, five, six, but also that each day is separated by, and God said. Yeah. And then it also ends with, um, and it was good. So God is going to create each thing, and then he's going to say, and, and pronounce it good. And at the very end, he says, and it was very good good. So God is creating something and it's telling us that it's intentional, it has purpose, there's meaning, harmony, order to all of these things. Now, let's talk about the scientific debate for a second. You're going to say, Lori, was, was uh, the earth really created in this short period of time? Um, and I'm going to say, I don't care. That's not the point. The point isn't, uh, is this a scientific discovery? Sure, it, it might be. Scripture is about learning about how God interacts with us. It's telling us something about spiritual things. And so it, it could, um, I'm not saying I don't care, I take that back, but I am saying that I think uh, science and, and religion can go perfectly together. They're flip sides of the coin. Science is gonna tell us how something happened and religion tells us why we should care. So they can go in harmony and it's telling us something else, telling us about our purpose or our relationship to God. So. Look back at this and see if you don't see some purpose in these first few stories, these first few days. And then let's look at each of them for a second and see what we see. All right, I know I'm jumping around a bit. Let's go back to this creation story for a minute. I know I said that day one, God creates light, right? Separates light from darkness. And this is not going to be the sun and the moon and the stars. That's going to be on day four. But there's this parallel, God creating light, creating um, perhaps measured time. Maybe it's meaning. Maybe it's good and evil. But he's creating something with light there 
but then later creates the sun, moon, and stars. Just a note that the name for the sun and the moon um, were Canaanite or local gods, and so to make sure that you were not confused as a Hebrew that God was creating uh, sub-gods or like demigods or something with the name of the sun and the moon, um, it's called the greater light and the lesser light. We know it's the sun and the moon, but you couldn't use those words without it meaning the name. So just just know that's that's kind of why it doesn't say that. But but there's this cool symmetry, this structure where things are matched and similarity in its content. So we want to keep exploring that. Take the next pair of days that we see. Uh, day two, God creates the expanse, and that expanse is kind of the the um, the sky, right? So it's separate, it's like everything's water and it's kind of creating like a dome of the sky. So it's creating this, uh, creates the expanse and it separates the waters from above and the waters below. Basically, it's kind of like a snow globe picture. If you think it's like creating that. On day five, God creates the birds and the fish. So the symmetrical structure, structure we see creates these relationships. So there was sky and water and now they're going to be birds and fish, so the things that belong. The same thing's going to happen in the next days as well, right? We create land, and uh, then we're going to see all the people, that the, the things that live on land, including humanity. So this is what's great. We're going to see dry land and plants, and then animals are created first, and then he creates people in his image as his final act of creation. Now, when you flip the page and go to chapter two and three, you'll see that uh, it seems like animals are kind of created a little bit later and Adam gets to name them. Again, the order, I'm not point trying to make a definitive list of what the order is. We're trying to see what the author is trying to tell us. I think that we see that humanity, and it's not men or women or Adam and then later Eve, it's men and women are created at the, at the culminating. This is God's culminating creation, humanity. And they are created to look like him. They are his image bearers as his final act of creation. So there, in just that first chapter, we see that all things are created with great order and purpose, that God is in charge, and that we are his culminating act, and we are very good. All right, that is the first part of creation. Now you flip the page, and we zoom in. Now we're running out of time, so we'll have to jump in more. So I'm going to give you an assignment. I want you to go back and I want you to reread Genesis 1 through 3. You can jump on 4 if you want. But go 1 through 3 and just see the two creation, we'll call them two creation stories, but the two uh, descriptions of creation. 1 through verse 2, 3, uh, chapter 2, verses 3 or 4, and then 4 onward. And see if you don't just see them separately now. Now, some of you are going to be really tempted to say, well, Lori, there's also in the Pearl of Great Christ and in the temple video, there are stories there, and that must be the most correct. I don't know that there's a most correct as much as they're trying to teach us something else. So take them for what they are, um, take them in, and look at them, and that's going to be your assignment for next time. And then we'll jump into Genesis 2 and 3, the creation, Adam and Eve, and the fall. All right, Scriptorians, keep on reading.